Amen. Well, today is, is the final Sunday in our series, We Need to Talk. And uh, throughout this series, we've been talking about some very specific topics and aspects of our faith that speak directly into the moment that we're all living in right now. And if you've missed any of those, you can go back um, and you can check them all out on our website. You could check them out on our podcast. But I encourage you to do that because it's a timely series based on what we're going through right now. Um, because the truth is, some of us, in terms of our faith, we've, we've just never had to lean into it the way we have over the last several months. Others of us, we've never been so frustrated or confused or afraid or alone. And thankfully, the Bible is written by and for people who are frustrated and confused and angry and alone. And so our current reality gives us a glimpse and gives us this, this unique opportunity to be able to learn things that maybe we would not have learned if it wasn't for the moment that we're living in right now. And I don't say that because I'm excited about the moment we're living in right now. Um, I don't like the ambiguity or the pain any more than the next guy, but I am thankful. I'm thankful that, that the less that I find confidence in this world or in the unknown future, the more I can lean into that Hebrews 11 kind of faith that is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. And that reminds me of a social media post I shared uh, just this week. It was a quote by author Bob Goff. Um, he said this. He said, We're following a God we can't see for a lifetime we can't measure to a heaven we can't comprehend because of grace we didn't earn. Be patient with each other. We're all looking through a knothole at eternity trying to figure our lives out today. And isn't that fitting? I mean, isn't that fitting? Comforting even, just to, just to be able to admit that we're not alone. No matter how confident your favorite politician or neighbor or in-law might be, the truth is we're probably all far less confident than we care to admit to others. But see, there should be a place where you can go. There should be a place where you can go to ask your honest questions, to be able to admit your doubts and confess your shortcomings. And that place is... The church. And yet far too often the church looks like something else. It's not a place we can go with any of that because over time, for some reason, we've gotten kind of confused about what exactly the church is. And that reminds me of a story I shared a number of years ago by Christian preacher and author Chuck Swindoll. He uh, talks about an old friend that he kind of came back into relationship with later on in life. And this man had become a Christian. And he said this. He said, he was an old Marine Corps buddy of mine, and to my pleasant surprise, he came to know Jesus after he was discharged. I say surprise because he cursed loudly, fought hard, chased women, drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated chapel services. A number of months ago, I ran into this fellow, and after we talked for a while, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, You know, Chuck, the one thing that I still miss is that old fellowship that I used to have. You know, the one with all the guys down at the tavern. I remember how we used to sit around and let our hair down, and I can't find anything like that for Christians. I don't have a place anymore to admit my faults and talk about my battles, someplace that they won't preach at me or frown or quote me a verse. Unfortunately, this is all so true, <laughs> All too much true for the community that we call the church. It can too often be superficial and judgmental and 
shallow. And I think one of the hidden blessings in the season uh, that we're living in right now where we've all been kind of scattered and isolated by this global pandemic is that it's kind of brought that truth to the surface. The old way of doing church just doesn't work anymore. It's either that we're going to lean deeper into the truth and the treasures of our faith or we're falling away. And I want to encourage us to lean into the truth. And that's what we're going to read about today. There's a different definition of community, a biblical definition of what the church is supposed to look like. And it comes from the Apostle Paul in our scripture reading this morning. He's writing a letter to the church in Colossae. And he was encouraging them from a distance. He didn't start this church. He was in prison at the time. And he was inspired by their faith. So much so that he wrote this letter to encourage them. And he wanted to encourage them because they had been resilient to the pressures around them, but he wanted them also to continue to take the next steps if they wanted to continue to find peace and strength and hope in their relationship with Jesus together in the future. And so here's what he says in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, underline those words if you're in your own Bible, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul begins with the assumption that the people that he is talking to have been set apart by God. He wants to remind them that they are dearly loved. And I have a new appreciation for his writing that from a distance because that's a message that I have felt God placing on my heart as your pastor over the last several months is to make sure that you know that God loves you too. That you are holy and dearly loved. That God is with you. That nothing can happen in this world that could possibly separate you from his love. That you could never do anything that would make him love you less. And that this God who loves you so dearly is also just as in control of every molecule on the face of the planet and in the universe today than he ever has been before. And that powerful God is the one one who created you and saved you and loves you. See, I get excited just to be able to share that with you. And maybe if you stumbled upon this message, maybe you never heard it quite that way before, I want you just to sit on that truth for a minute and go back to the basics like John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loves you. He loves you and me so much that he came to be with you, to die for you, and then to save you from your sin. To save you from your sin. And the definition of sin, and it can be very simply described as missing the mark. God has a path and a plan and a way in which we are called to bring glory to his name. And we have fallen short of that from the very beginning of our lives. We all have. It's true. But see, God isn't just interested in saving us from the consequences eternally that come from our sin. 
He's not just interested in saving us uh, and, and sending us to heaven and taking off the weight of guilt and shame off of our shoulders. He wants all those things, and that all happens for sure. But the ultimate consequence to the mistakes and shortcomings that we make in life, this thing we call sin, is something called separation. It's separation. It's, it's that our mistakes separate us from an eternal and perfect God, but they also separate us from one another in relationship with each other. And so when Jesus came in the mystery of our faith, he paid the price. And the price was not only to bridge the gap between us and him, but it was also to bridge the gap between us and one another. See, the only reason we can clothe ourselves, see, that's why I wanted you to underline the first part of that verse, right? It says, those of you who are, um, verse 12, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's who you are. Clothe yourself. The only reason that we can clothe ourselves with things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience is because God has done that for you and me first. He's done that for us first. He's been patient with us first. He's he's given us gentleness. He's been humble. He's been compassionate. And because he's done those things for you and for me, he then calls us in turn to go and do those things for one another. Look at verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I often share these verses at wedding ceremonies, but I also share at the ceremony that it's not really typically for the wedding day. It's for after the honeymoon. It's for the assumption that as you get into marriage for any length of time, you are going to make mistakes against one another. And if you want to survive, if you want to survive those trials, it's not going to come through perfection. It's going to come through forgiveness. It's going to come not because the other person deserves it, but it's going to come because you don't deserve God's love and God has given it to you. And so you in turn can turn and love your spouse as well. Verse 14, and put over all these virtues love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, that's what we want in a marriage. But frankly, that's also what we need in all of our relationships And as it relates to the church, and specifically American Christianity, I'm sure it happens in other places, but I'm just going to talk about my own. Unfortunately, our flavor of the Christian faith has been plagued by a lie. And that lie is is this assumption that we can somehow do our faith alone. I can watch the service alone. I can pray alone. I can find it alone. And the truth is, you can't. You can't. Look at what Paul says. He says, if you're a Christian, holy and dearly loved by God, what he's saying, he says, get up and put some clothes on. Get up and put some clothes on. And nobody gets up and puts on nice clothes unless they're going to go and they're going to see other people. Like, think back about when we were locked down, right? Like, like people who work from home, they just put on a nice shirt. They didn't even bother changing their pants, right? Because it didn't matter because they were going to see anybody. Look at the clothes that Paul is telling us to put on. He says things that we can only do together. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. You can't do that by yourself. And a lot of us have used that fact to lament over what we have lost and the barriers that we've had to face as far as it relates to being together as the church. And I lament that too. 
I lament a full sanctuary. I lament the, 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 the bubbly opportunity to be able to connect with one another and just shoot the breeze and share updates from each other's lives and all of those things that we get to do when we come together as one in person. But I do want to challenge us on something. And I think back before the pandemic... I want to ask you, the things that we're called to clothe ourselves in by Paul, these, this compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness, were we really that effective at living those things out before all this started? Were we really that effective living those things out when we were together in the church, in a building, before it was that we were scattered? I mean, think about it. When you walk in the church doors, when was the last time you came in for a public worship service and you had to show somebody compassion or forgiveness? I mean, maybe they sat in your pew, right? And so you had to kind of say a little forgiveness prayer in your head. But, but let's just be real, right? The community that Paul is talking about is radically different than the definition that we had for church just like, what, 10 months ago. And I would argue that the community that Paul is talking about is the community that is true, and it's real, and it's deeper, and it's the thing that we actually need now more than ever, and it is just as possible, if not more possible, than it ever has been before. Don't let a pandemic, don't let a divided political world, don't let anything fool you into thinking that you have to do life alone. See, you don't. Because God has given you community. He's given you other people. He's given you the church. And then he's given you the tools that you need. And because he has given those to you first, he wants you then to extend those things to the community around you. Because when you extend those things, Paul continues, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom through the psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. A few years ago, I, uh, I read a a story in a book by Daniel Rice. It's called Hashtag Gospel. And in one of the chapters, he quotes George Martin, who said this. He said, When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. And he goes on to explain that in the frozen tundra of Alaska, it can be a very brutal place for a lone wolf. During the summer months, a lone wolf can actually fare pretty well by itself. It can just continue to eat little small animals, and it's usually okay. But as the winter comes, those small animals end up hibernating under the ground, and the only thing left to eat are the large animals, things like caribou, large animals that no lone wolf could ever take down on their own. But a pack of wolves... A pack of wolves can take one down in an instant, and it feeds lots of them. He says, in a similar way, you and I have seasons in our life. Our lives are seasonal, right? We have seasons like summer where we have no problem taking care of ourselves. We can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Everything's within reach. I don't need anybody. But he says the winter will come. 
Winter comes for everybody at some point. Life is seasonal. And during those seasons of frozen tundra, we literally cannot survive without other people. And if you're not going through a season like that right now, and many people are, the truth is someone around you is, and they need you to help take down the food. They need you to keep them warm just like you are going to need them in the season to come. Because, see, God doesn't promise that winter isn't going to happen. It's like Wisconsin. Winter's coming even if it's 70 degrees this weekend in October. And it's winter right now for many people all around the world. God doesn't promise to protect us from going through the winters, but he does promise to protect us in the midst of them by giving us the warmth of community that gets us through. It's a promise that Jesus alludes to in Matthew 18 where he says, where two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. We talk about his presence being in a special way. You've probably heard that verse before. Yeah, where we gather, that's church, right? It is church, but you probably don't realize the context that that promise is made within. Look at verse 15. This is the beginning of this context. Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And then it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Why? Well, because God is with us when we do life together and life is messy. And sometimes we sin. We sin against God and we sin against one another. It's why it's a blessing to confess those sins, like what Jesus' brother James says in James chapter 5. See, I don't like to admit it when I make a mistake. I don't like to confess my sins in the presence of God or in the presence of one another. But you know what's worse than being broken and messed up? It's being broken and messed up alone. What's worse than being broken and messed up is to be broken and messed up alone. It's far better to be broken and messed up with somebody else who's broken and messed up just like I am so that we can remind one another of the promises of a God of grace who broke himself so that he could be with us so that we could then in turn be with one another together. That's what God calls us to And so I want to challenge you as we conclude the message this morning. Church is important. It's taken all of us extra effort to be able to get into it over the course of this season. And I'm just warmed by the reality that God has continued to draw so many people together each week. Whether you join us online or in person, it doesn't matter. We are together as one through the Spirit of God. And you need to commit yourself to continuing to do that. Even on the weekends that you don't feel like it. Commit yourself to worship. Whether it's online or in person or both, it doesn't matter. And we're expanding, as I shared before, we're going to have another worship time. We're going to have additional online tools in a couple of weeks that are going to make worshiping online more fulfilling for those who worship that way. It doesn't matter. It's important, however you do it, in the midst of this season. But what's also important is that you don't stop there. That you don't stop there, but that you take the next step and become part of community. Don't be the lone wolf. Create community, join community, be part of community because I believe that in the season to come, one of the greatest contributions that we're going to make to the world around us as a church isn't going to be just our ability to gather a bunch of people on a Sunday morning, but it is going to be becoming a place 
A place that equips every person who is drawn to become part of the family of God here to understand and grow in community so that we can bring that life-giving community wherever we go. It begins with us. And so I want to encourage you to invite God to lead you to that next step of community today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank and praise you that not only have you come to save us from our sins, but you have come to save us from the separation that our sin creates in us, that without you we would be left alone in the middle of the frozen tundra like the lone wolf hungry and without the ability to meet our own needs. But that's why you've given us the church. It's why you've given us biblical community. It's why you've told us through Paul the kind of clothing that we are to wear as we enter into relationship with one another so that we don't have to do the winters alone. And yet so many of us still feel like we do. We still live as if we, we don't need anybody else or we can't ask anybody else to be with us. Lord God, would you give us a sign? God, would you give us the direction and the confidence, Lord, to know where to go for that kind of community? Lord God, if it's to sign up for a small group that already exists, God, would you make a place for us in that group? Lord God, if we feel led to, to be part of a Zoom group and we feel led to, to virtually connect with people, God, would you, would you cross over the barriers of technology to really create genuine community that way? Lord God, if you're calling us to start a group with our neighbors or our close friends or our family, Lord God, would you help us to be equipped with the tools to know how to create that community in such a way that it would draw us into the authentic faith that you are building up the church in Colossae here in our reading to be built upon. God, that we would clothe ourselves with things like gentleness and humility and compassion and forgiveness so that we would become a light in a world of darkness that wouldn't just be the, the good deeds that we do for other people, as important as that is, and it wouldn't just be for the vibrancy of worship on Sunday mornings as, poor, as important as that is, but God, could we be known as a church that has real, authentic community, faith that's lived in the midst of relationships? And God, may it begin with each person who's praying right here and right now. Because just as we need that community for ourselves, we know that there are others out there that need it from us as well. And so may you use us to bless others and may you pour into us as well. It is in Jesus' name we pray.